Welcome guys to episode 9 of the Out of Bounds podcast. Today, I'm your host, Akram Mia, and obviously we've got two of the regulars with us. We've got Cameron. Hey everybody, what's happening, what's happening? We've got Raj on. Uh, thanks for having me guys. Yeah, no problem. But unfortunately, you know, Jamie today, he's, he has a bit of personal commitments today. He's playing football today for this yeah, team, man. man. Good luck Captain to him. Man. JP out here, man. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. But let's get right into it. And the NBA season, it's around the corner. Training camp has opened and there's still trades going on. And one big trade that happened over the week, past week, let me say, is Russell Westbrook going to the Washington mm. Wizards for John Wall and the first round pick to the Houston Rockets. Obviously, guys, the deal is John Wall straight up with a first round pick, which can be converted into two first rounders in 2022 mm-hmm. for... Russell Westbrook. So, guys, tell me your thoughts on the trade. Like, who won, who lost? Well, for me, I would have to say the Wizards won. Because, strictly because we don't know what, you know, shape, basketball shape, John Wall is going to be when he Mm. plays, you know, well, again. Because, obviously, it's different than playing practice games and all that. So, we don't know how... John Wall's going to come back and plus Russell, Russell Westbrook is a, a former MVP. Yeah. Well, I don't know, it was, it, was, it was such a, like a weird trade to do but then I guess like you kind of have to factor in that they gave like um, Westbrook a massive contract so obviously like not many teams could um could afford him but I saw something funny that like on Twitter like people were saying like Westbrook for Wall was like when Arsenal and United did the Mikatone and Sanchez trade and we all know how that worked out for both teams. Uh, uh, hopefully for both teams that's not the case but obviously I think it's a weird trade because obviously the Wizards didn't want to give up any picks. I think they wanted to do straight up John Wolf or Russell but obviously Houston they don't want to lose out on Russell like that yeah. and I think it's a good trade for both teams. I think Westbrook he will make Washington better I think Washington, they will be fighting for the playing seeds, so the 8th to 10th seed as it is. And, you know, I'm looking at guys around the team in the Wizards, so I'm looking at Rui Hachimura. Yeah, I think he will improve him a lot. Mm-hmm. Danny Advia as well. It will be amazing to see how Westbrook yeah, yeah. can utilise him. But, and also, it's just my only question is, obviously, Westbrook's issue that he had with Houston was that he wanted to be the ball handler, right? Bradley yeah, Bill's a ball yeah. handler. Like, I don't know how he's going to cope with that. Is, the are they going to sh- share the responsibility? Mm, mm. The thing is with... that That's good with Bradley Bill. Is he is a, you know, is a phenomenal off-ball player as well. And we saw yeah. that with his time with John Wall. And, you know, adding to what you said about the roster, you know, these guys, you know, they have guys like Davis Burton's, obviously. He's a great shooter from three. Yeah. Know, shot over 40% in his last two seasons. Thomas Bryant can stretch the floor at the five. And, and obviously, you got Bill, who was just speaking about. He's yeah. obviously... Well, for me, he's going to be the number one scoring option. I think yeah, he should be the number be. one scoring option. He has to be, right? And, you know... Yeah, yeah. And I would say, you see this team? Yeah. For me, 
it's probably the best team Russell Westbrook has been on, not talent wise, but having the pieces to complement his game. You know, wow. if they can shoot the free okay. efficiently this year, that could open up the floor for him to drive and score or kick it out to an open shooter, and that will make them even more dangerous. Yeah, because obviously, like you said, names obviously Davis Burton's who just got who got banked who banked in a great yeah. deal. And obviously yeah. Thomas Bryant, I think he will improve a lot with Westbrook. You know, I can see a lot mm-hmm. of lobs happening for him. And you know, it'll be interesting because if Westbrook is to play similar to how he did in 2017 MVP season, right, where he was dishing out a lot and passing a lot and mm-hmm. rebounding a lot, and I don't know if Westbrook's gonna be like, you know what, I want to share responsibility. But I think the good thing about Westbrook is he's gonna teach the young guys responsibility as well. He'll teach them that there are consequences for your actions and everyone has to own up to it. Because I think that was his issue in Houston, right? Not a Mm -hmm. lot. James Harden especially, he was like, oh, he wasn't... Like, reports were saying that uh, no one took responsibility for anything, right? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, you're you're very true. You're very true. And obviously, we're going to speak about James Harden in a bit. Yeah. So, this this applies a lot. Yeah, well, then... And but now we're on to the Houston Rockets, the John Wall side of things. How mm-hmm. do you, get, Rajan? How do you see it? Uh, I think it's very interesting. I I think, I don't know. Like they they gave up John Wall. You know, he's been like he's been there for like Washington for a while, and I didn't he have like injury problems in the in the past as well, which, you know. Yeah, he's coming off yeah. an Achilles yeah. injury and another. A tendon injury which brought, took yeah, him out that, for two years. Yeah, that's rough. Like, you, you mm. see, like, those sort of injuries, like, they can occur again, you know. So, for him, I just hope he can stay fit because, you know, he goes on to Houston. I mean, you're automatically going to be a playoff team right there. And I think the guy, he, he deserves to be on a on a team that, that could have a shot at a ring, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a thing. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Cameron, go for it. Oh, thank you. I was I was going to say about the injuries, you know, I feel like Houston are going to have to nurse, almost nurse him through the season because, you know, on top of, you know, the Achilles and, and all the bad injuries he's had in the last couple of years, he's also had some niggling knee injuries that keep on flaring up. Yeah, because here's the thing as well, right? So obviously reports were saying that James Harden preferred John Wall over Russell Westbrook. And obviously from yeah. that, you would think, Okay, I think James Harden might be willing to compromise quite a bit with John Wall because obviously John Wall isn't the most amazing spot-up shooter, but when he does shoot, he has his famous shot, you know, and he would take that Mm -hmm. shot. But I think, here's the thing, if John Wall can get back to 80% of what he was in 2017 when he led the Wizards Wizards to the second round of the playoffs, I think Houston will be all right. But my question is more about, is he going to be fit, you know? Like, is he going to help other players on the team? So, like, DeMarcus Cousins, because obviously they have that Kentucky connection, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. would they be at their best together or are they going to be, like, a very downgraded versions of themselves? And is James Harden, like, will he be willing to spot up a lot more compared to what he did with Russ? Exactly. And that's the thing, right? And I think Houston... They've improved maybe a tiny bit because obviously you've got Christian Wood coming in. It'll be interesting to see how that works with John Wall and James Harden. But mm-hmm. it's just like, 
I don't know if James, if James Harden's convinced enough to like stay because I don't know if he wants to stay or not. That's only for him to know. But it's like it's tough because I think Houston, Fatida, the owner of the team, is like I don't know if he's facilitating for Harden or if he's facilitating for himself. As in like uh, this is just my team. I'll just keep it like above profitable. You know? Yeah, I understand that. But. Hopefully, man, Houston Rockets they can improve on their teams and on the on the season last year because obviously get losing to the Lakers in the second round in five games was it? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a big blow. And, a big... and when when you think about it, sorry to interrupt you, that no this problem. season could go, you know, two ways for Houston. It could be a season where James Harden is locked in and everyone else is locked in. And and you think, yeah, this could be a good season if John Wall plays well, if Boogie has a redemption year, bounce-back season, or it could go terribly. Because there's the thing, right? Obviously, looking at the roster, so you got James, John, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Christian Wood, PJ Tucker, um, Damari Carroll. You know, there's quite a bit of veteran depth, which is good. Mm. But they're still a tiny bit undersized. Obviously, DeMarcus Cousins and John Walls adds that bit of height, but, like, looking at the other teams in the West, can they still be competitive against them? Like, do you see them as the fifth seed that they were last year or something like a playing seed? I, me personally, you know, new coaching. Steven Silas, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, Daryl Morey's not there anymore. Yeah. Um... It's, there's gonna be some some you know pain some growing pains uh, you know along this season, but I think that I'm not sure if they're the fifth seed team that they were last year, but yeah, I I see potential for them to be there. Right now, I think they'll be one of the lower teams. Yeah. In the conference. Because obviously James Harden will have to definitely be locked in if Houston have any chance of winning the championship. And talking about mm-hmm. James Harden, he just. Obviously, over the weekend, he missed his voluntary practice, which didn't go down well, apparently, after, you know, he attended the little baby party. But he reported to training yesterday in Houston. He got tested, and I think he's going to be starting training today. Stephen Silas, he's just said that he just took the test. That's all I know, and hopefully he trains. So tell me, guys. Yeah. The James Harden situation, and the golden question is, will he be traded? Well... I don't think he will be traded. I mean, like, to get rid of James Harden, they would need a core, like, franchise player. And, you know, there were rumours, I believe, to uh, Philly, but I yeah. I don't think they can um trade him. But, I mean, like, the whole thing, you know, going to a party, like, only just reporting now, I mean, it's very clear that the relationship, like, between him... And the team was like something there has been fractured. I mean, perhaps it's just like the aftertaste of last season. You know, they put all their chips into one basket with the Westbrook trade and playing this new identity of basketball, and it just collapsed. You know, they were clearly overpowered by um, LeBron and AD. So they're like they're 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 trying to find a new way of playing. They've got rid of Westbrook. I don't think they'll get rid of Harden, though. You know, you know, new head coach, obviously, Steven Silas, and 
you know, you seem like he doesn't know what's going on. And that, you know, there's a lack of communication between the coach and player or just the organisation and the player as a whole. But, yeah. you know, it's not a good look for Houston and it's it's not a good look for James Harden so early into the, you know, the pre-season that's soon going to start and obviously it's training camp. But yeah. it's a good thing for Houston that he's returned. Um, it, but for, for me, overall, it just adds to the rumours and could really hurt the team in the beginning of the season. Because, you know, a lot of those guys look at him and expect him to be the example as a franchise player. So not reporting, then getting videoed and pictured at clubs isn't a good look. Especially if you compare that to now the Westbrook situation where, I don't know if you guys heard, but, you know, in his first practice, he showed up earlier and he did that to set the tone for the whole team. And that's how winning starts. And Harden needs to set that example this season for Houston as there are a lot a lot of new faces, the coaches, obviously, and they're going to want to see success. Yeah, because obviously James Harden, I don't think he's the type of player that wants to, in my opinion, I don't think he's the type of player that wants to set the tone, you know, like that Westbrook mm. was. Because obviously Westbrook coming in two hours early in the Wizards practice, you know, I think that sends a message out to the young guys, especially. But I think... Exactly. What... The problem is for Houston is, you're right, is the lack of communication, I think. Because obviously, Steven Silas, he wasn't the coach that neither James Harden wanted or the owner, Fatida, wanted. Because Fatida wanted Jeff Van Gundy and Harden wanted Ty, Ty Lue. And obviously, mm. that's the compromise that they came to, Silas. Because there's the thing, Silas has been a coach in the league for 20-odd years. And he's been a great coach. There's no question about that. But obviously, it'll be hard, I think, especially in the West now, because you're looking at teams improving as well. Like, New Orleans, they're improved. Exactly. The Kings, like, they might still have a shot to make it through the playing seed. The Thunder... The Suns, Suns, obviously, Chris Paul going there. Like, you don't know. Like, the West is so open, like... Even the Grizzlies, I mean, there's so many teams. Like, it's so open. Like, I could literally make an argument about how all 15 teams can make it into the playoffs. Like, that's how strong the West is. Yeah, that's how... I, I can't argue with the with you with that one because so much talent, so many good teams. I mean, yeah, wow, the West is really strong. Yeah, the West is amazingly strong. But, obviously, we will James Harden be reporting on the first game of preseason for Houston? We'll have to see on Saturday when they play against the Chicago Bulls at 1am Greenwich Mean Time. But, obviously, as pre-season, we're moving into pre-season, the opening day fixtures are going to have been coming out and, obviously, the first half of the schedule has been released. And opening day, wow, I mean, it's a big, big two games, I'll tell you. So, kicking, mm-hmm. it off, kicking off the NBA season, it's the Brooklyn Nets versus Golden State Warriors in the Barclays Centre at 12am. Wow. Yeah, big game, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, what a start to the season, obviously. KD playing his old team, the Warriors, where he won two rings and two finals, MVPs, and Kyrie, you know, against Steph. It's going to be a a very good game. It's a shame that, obviously, Clay got injured. Prayers up to him, and and hopefully he recovers soon. But I I still think the Warriors are going to be a competitive, competitive team this year, and 
you know, this is just a, a great start to hopefully what's going to be a good season. Bro, that clear thing was sad, man. Because, like, I've always, mm. I, like, I, I don't, like, obviously, like, I, I didn't, like, want the Warriors to continue, like, this this dynasty thing. Because, you know, I, I want to see, like, other teams that like, step up to them. But, man, last season with Clay was, like, it, it, it was tough without him. Because you just saw the Warriors just, like, like declined you know then Steph had his problems and it's just like sad because like you know we talk about these injuries and you know like we've seen in the Premier League like this uh like the fixture um the fixture list being so packed the early return and like you wonder how that's also gonna affect the NBA you know like will we see potentially uh more injuries like we have done in the Premier League so that's something to be on the lookout for yeah it's because it's, it's going to be an amazing first game to kick off the, the year. And KD versus Steph, that's obviously the big storyline. But also, the, I think, looking at the rosters head-to-head, so it's like, it'll be interesting because I want to see James Wiseman versus Jarrett Allen because it's like, is James Wiseman going to be playing all around? Or is he going to be stretching the floor a bit more? Or allow mm. Steph, Steph and Draymond to do their bits? Because obviously... Andrew Wiggins is there still. He's even though he's forgotten man, exactly, he, he's, exactly. he still plays and he's been doing decently well. Is surprisingly, he going to well. make a jump this year. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But I think for me that game is going to set the tone because there's a thing, right? KD and Kyrie, obviously they've had quite a bit big off season. You know, obviously yesterday Kyrie he made comments about how he's not talking to the media at all this year, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's a bit crazy. And then, obviously, KD, he's obviously coming back off the Achilles injury. Will he be the same guy that he was? Or will he be, like, 50% or 80%? Mm-hmm. Like, it'll be interesting to see because I love KD. Like, I think KD is one of the best shooters ever, right? For the guy who has this talent and skill at his height, it's amazing. For and then... Real. yeah. But it'll be interesting to see because, like, how are Golden State going to handle KD? Are they going to put Draymond on him and are they going to switch around or are they going to do man-to-man or perhaps a zone? Because, obviously, this Brooklyn Nets team is very deep. you obviously got shooters off Joe Harris and then mm-hmm. Kyrie's obviously shoot KD and then are they going to share responsibility? Because, obviously, Kyrie's, like, I see KD as the first guy in my career that I look at him and I'm like, yeah, I'm happy to let him take the last shot. And obviously those... Controversial. Controversial low blows to LeBron and obviously LeBron got hurt about that. But it's just... It'll be a very interesting game. And obviously, I think... We obviously don't... The Brooklyn Nets, they're obviously a contender. There's no question about that. But they might have a similar season to the Clippers because obviously... There's a lot of young guys in the team, so obviously Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, like there was trade rumours about them, obviously earlier on, and it's like how are they going to respond, you know? Because obviously exactly last last year Kyrie's like he mentioned a lot of names and he left out Karis Levert and Jared Allen and Joe Harris and you know it'll be interesting because it's like I don't know man it's like do I f- I don't know if they're going to actually be doing well this year because it's the first year right all of them together. Mm, yeah, exactly. I mean, you think about uh, the Clippers last year and 
obviously both of their stars had you know spent a lot of time on the sidelines and you know people kind of say why they underachieve and one of the reasons were because they didn't have much chemistry you know are KD and Kyrie gonna rest a lot of games in the season or are they gonna play most of it out you know are they gonna give some of the young players a chance to prove themselves so yeah. come playoff time they get more minutes you know that's the interesting thing and the dynamics that's that we're gonna look out for with the Nets yeah and talking about resting actually the NBA they recently re- released them load management memo and obviously I don't know if you heard but mm-hmm. they're saying that if you're playing back-to-backs on national television big players aren't allowed to actually rest however if you're yeah. playing back-to-backs that's not on national television you can rest which is good for some players and obviously good bad for some players <coughs> Kawhi Leonard um, <laughs> yeah but hopefully they can build that chemistry because I think they have to look at other te- other teams before them like the Clippers they obviously like think about this the Clippers and Kawhi Kawhi and Paul George they only played 32 regular season games together that's not even half the season it's ridiculous it really like, is ridiculous and they have to build that chemistry. You have to think about it this way, you know. Basketball is a sport, and and the players are entertainers. You know, um, we watch the game because of the players that we are. You know, we like the players we are attracted to. We enjoy to play. We we enjoy watching play more so. So you know, hate to see players resting. And obviously, yes, they have to look after their body. But you know, you should be prepared for that going into the off-season, you know, you look at a guy like LeBron who spends so much money on his body to make sure he can be durable throughout an 82-game season. I think the players have to take that responsibility now. Bro, like, not even half, like, the half the season, you know, that that's, like, such a crazy number. Like, if they like, I'm, I'm all for, like, load management. Obviously, you don't want, like, anyone getting injured, let alone your star players, but... Surely you've got to play, like, at least, what, 65, 70 games. Then once you clinch a seed, then perhaps I can understand you, like... Um, well, there's 72 yeah, games yeah. this year, so perhaps if yeah. they 60, play yeah. 60... So let's say 60, maybe 65, but, I mean, like, you only rest players once you secure this... So once you secure, like, a certain seed in the playoffs or whatever, but to do, like, less than half, like, last year, I think that's as ridiculous that is. Yeah, and obviously, going back to the Golden State Warriors, it's like, obviously, the game itself, it will be very fast-paced. I think we're going to see a lot of frees flying from both sides because, obviously, Joe Harris, he'll be doing a lot of catch-and-shoot. And Curry as well, man. Ooh, I'm, I'm excited to watch Curry, man. Yeah. After, after so long, man. Because, obviously, this guy, he's been shooting from the parking lot, man. And I mean from the parking lot and training, man. But obviously, that game is at 12 a.m. E- 12 a.m. our time, 7, a- 7 p.m. Eastern time. And then the second game of the two games on opening day is the Lakers versus the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. This game, ooh, a lot of storylines. What storyline should we start with, guys? LeBron versus Kawhi? Let's go with that. You know, you got LeBron versus Kawhi, but guess what, for me... The, the, the storyline is all to do with the Clippers, you know, that dynamic between 
Paul oh. George and Kawhi Leonard. How are they going to work? Because this is a big, big season for them and the Clippers organization. You have to think about it this way. You know, these guys, this is their last, it's the last year of their contracts and then they have player options, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if they fail this season, how bad does that look to then leave the Clippers? And how bad does that leave the Clippers organization who gave up so much to get guys like Paul George, for example, to pair with a Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, especially after getting that new stadium that they're getting. Exactly. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think the... Of course, so obviously Lakers are defending champions, but I think the eyes are going to be on the Clippers because, you know, they they had that big choke in the playoffs, you know, you had the issue with Kawhi, you had the playoff P memes, like, it, it's a big year for the Clippers because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's be honest, it, it has to be a ring this year, otherwise it's, it, they're just going to be looked as a failure. I mean, I remember, like, on the... Mm-hmm. Uh, on a, on the one of the podcasts a while ago, you know, we did that debate on like, who like like who needs a ring like for their like the um, for their legacy like LeBron, yeah. um, Giannis or no no Kawhi and, I mean yeah, LeBron yeah and if and Kawhi, if you yeah. if like if you see Kawhi like, on this Clippers after what he did with the Spurs and the Raptors, I mean. I don't think it will damage his legacy as much, but, you know, this is something people are going to bring up about how, you know, this was a good team, but ultimately they just failed. Exactly, and think about it this way as well. You mentioned Kawhi, but what about Paul George? Paul George is a guy, when you go back to his Indiana days, he couldn't get it done. Obviously, you had the Miami Heat in those days, beating them most of the time. So then he leaves, you know... He's, he's gone to other... He's been in OKC, couldn't get it done there. And now he's in the Clippers. You know, last year was a horrific season for him. And, and you know, a lot of news coming out that he's making excuses. You know, he wasn't used in the right way. So this year is a big season for Paul George. You know, he needs to have a comeback year where in the regular season he's firing and in the playoffs because... If he has another bad season like he did last year, he could be, you know, completely forgotten. Yeah, and also talking about the Clippers as well, obviously, it's a new look to the Clippers, obviously. They traded for Luke Kennard, they signed um, Nicholas Batum, and obviously they re-signed Marcus Morris. But I think this is game, like, last opening, see, last opening game last year was more about how Kawhi was better than LeBron, but now it's the other way around and it's more about how Kawhi can actually catch up to LeBron now because it's like, it's crazy, right? Because obviously, I think LeBron has set the standard and you look at the Lakers as well, they have a new look to them as well. Dennis Schroeder's there now. Montrose Harrell, formerly of the Clippers. Like, oh, how is he going to wow. perform against the what Clippers as well? What a matchup that is. Like, what a matchup that is. Because you know, it'll be amazing. going hard on Montrez? You know, obviously, he's had things to say about the organisation, not wanting him enough to to re-sign him. You know, it's an interesting... It's going to be an interesting game all around. Yeah, and also, it's just like... I think it'll be crazy to see how he goes up against Zubac, because obviously, Zubac had a terrible year last year, let's be honest, <laughs> unfortunately for him. Yeah. But I think for the Clippers as well, this game... Like the Nets and the Golden State Warriors, 
it's going to set the tone for the season because this game is an important game to the whole legacy of the Clippers. Because they obviously, if Kawhi and them lot don't win the title this year, they're most likely leaving because I don't see why they want to stay. Like, you know? And obviously... It's curse, man. Because obviously, the Lakers and the Clippers, this is what most projections are for the Western Conference Finals. So it might be a little preview. It might not be. We'll see. But it'll be an interesting game. It'll be fun. Hopefully it can be as fun as opening night was last year. And hopefully LeBron isn't as... What's the... What was the word I'm looking Passive. for? Passive. Passive, yes. Passive. <laughs> yeah. and passive, stiff. Oh, and a bit more trusting. You remember that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I remember that. Wow, that's more than a year ago. And obviously... That's crazy. And hopefully he can pass... Obviously, AD and him have won a chip, so there's more trust. And it'll be interesting to see how the bench unit, especially for the Clippers and the Lakers, go against each other. Because I want to see how Lou will, this year especially, how's he going to handle things? Because obviously, he doesn't have Montrez to help him out. Exactly. And he's probably going to have to defend a lot more. He probably and has. You think about, remember how last year they were saying the Clippers had more depth and their bench was better than the Lakers? Yeah. I would say that's kind of gone in the other direction now. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Because, obviously, the Lakers, credit when credit's due, right? Rob Palinka, man, this mm-hmm. guy, he's, he's done business. Brilliant. He's done business. Brilliant job. I think, you know, I remember, like, what was it last year? Like, I think a lot of people had the the Clippers being the number one seed. And I think this year is a complete role reversal. I think that the Lakers have gotten stronger. There's more questions being asked about, you know, this Clippers team, um, you know, what's been going on in the background, the chemistry, the effects of last season. So, I mean, bold prediction, yeah. you know, I, I think, uh, well, not bold, but early prediction. I think, you know, I think we could be looking at uh, Lakers uh, in the finals again. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's too bold. I think that's quite accurate, in my opinion. But obviously, I think this, the Clippers need to make a statement win, you know. Because obviously after the off-season that they had with the reports from the athletic coming out about how luxuries and how much advantage that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were given by the organisation, you know. But obviously you can catch both of those games on December 22nd in a double header and TNT will be doing the broadcast. So we get to see Ernie, Shaq, Kenny and Charles Barkley, man. But it'll be amazing to see. It's good to see him back. Yeah, but obviously, as much as I want to talk about the NBA all throughout the pod, we've got to move on to the Prem. And, you know, we had quite a bit of results, man. Tottenham versus Arsenal. Man, oh, man. <laughs> Let me just give a quick summary. Kane and Kane, Sund and Kane's goals helped Tottenham go top, while Arsenal's poor defending brought them down to 15th. All right, guys, tell me your thoughts on the match. Well... Well, 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 you know, Arsenal fall short again. I mean, wow. It, and, it don't, was, it was... and also, because Jamie's not here, you can Boy. go as heavy as you want on Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it was, it was embarrassing, you know, embarrassing from Arsenal. I mean, what a goal it was from Son. But you have to pick out the defending of the Arsenal players, you know. How they let Harry Kane touch the ball, you know, and turn and, and pass it on to Son. And then you give Son so much space, you know, to, to get that shot. It was almost easy for him because we know he's capable of, you know, those those curling shots. He's a brilliant player, Son. He's, he's world-class, in my opinion. 
and you know that second goal was just calamitous defending from Bellerin being up the field and then he's jogging back and then obviously Thomas Partey is trying to come off the pitch Arteta pushes him back on I mean <laughs> what are you playing at <laughs> what are you playing at your player's injured he could risk it and he's just come back from an injury as well so it's bad enough that you forced him to play and you've brought him back too early but you know that could be a worse injury because you pushed him on and, and tried to force him to play and obviously he walks off the pitch and they concede the second goal and it's over from there because you know with Jose Mourinho teams what, whether it's a goal or more he's he's setting up he's sitting you know parking a bus and setting up shop that's game done and you know Arsenal had what 32 crosses in the game and only managed to create one or two clear-cut chances out of them. They need a creative player that can take risks, play those balls, you know. I look at Man United and, you know, Man United are flipping now. I don't want to talk about them too oh, much We'll, right we'll now. get to Manchester United but, in a bit. <laughs> but, like, Bruno Fernandes, he plays those risky passes and you may think, you know, some games he gives away the ball a lot, but it's, it takes a lot to make those, you know, gutsy balls, you know, play those passes that other players wouldn't play. And I think that is where what Arsenal are missing the most, you know, is a player like Ozil, who is sitting at home earning his wages, but he could help Arsenal a lot. You know, there's too many players in that midfield that do sideways or backwards passes all the time because, yeah. you know, you, you can't always have passion merchants like Granite Xhaka who think that, you know, just because he's crashing down opponents and getting yellow cards, he's playing his heart out. You know what I mean? You yeah. need quality players that are going to get you the result. And right now, for Arsenal, it's just schoolboy errors. You know, Bellerin, he has the most foul throws <laughs> in the Premier League. Like, yeah, I think I saw a start. I think I saw a start where it said he has more foul throws than Arsenal have away goals, which is oh, really? uh, mind boggling. Incredible, incredible. I mean, it, it, it's just classic Arsenal, isn't it? You know, just away from home, just not getting it done against another top six team. I mean, like, I don't know. I just, there's no, like, fight or passion in this Arsenal team. You know, it's like they, whenever they go down by one goal, you know, they collapse. And you know, that's the thing that's been said about, you know, this Mourinho team, on the other hand, it's like, if they, you know, you don't want to let them score first because, like Cameron said, you know, they they're just they've been so defensively sound since the West Ham game, but I mean, for Arsenal, yeah. they are just a one man team, and if Aubameyang is not firing, I would I don't see the goals coming from anywhere. I mean, Lacazette has been in poor form. I think there's that one chance, like. If he literally just kept on running, he would have got he would have gone to the end of the cross in the penalty area. But instead, he was just like jogging and he wasn't expecting it. And he's he's missing that you know that basic striker instinct. And I think you know he's also lacking in confidence. Mm. And I mean, if you look at their position in the table, man, it's it's very it's like it's almost that's why they got rid of Emery, isn't it? Yeah. I um, mean, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I think there was a stat that came out one of the, the a couple games ago where it was like you, you put Emery's first league games in the season, he was sat first ten league games and Arteta's first ten league games and Arteta was way worse off. Yeah, but obviously as much as I'd love to bash Arsenal, 
and apologies to our Arsenal viewers and listeners and Jamie especially. But sorry, got... not sorry. <laughs> but let's focus on Tottenham as well because obviously Tottenham. Oh my God! Like the top of the table, and we got to give respect to Jose Mourinho for turning. Harry Kane into an all-round striker, you know. He's becoming a playmaker. Mm. And that's partnership between him and Son. I think... I don't want to go too far in my, in my boots, but it's like... Are they low-key the top best partnership right now in Europe? Like, you know? There mm. must be questions that's, about that. Definitely. And one interesting thing that we might have to do in a later podcast is think about the best partnerships, you know, attacking partnerships in Premier League history. Because, you know, say if they continue this for a, a few more seasons, you know, they could be in that argument. Because the way they're playing right now is, like you said, one of the best partnerships in Europe, if not the best. And these guys, they're assisting, they're scoring, they're always involved for Tottenham. And they're those talisman players that everyone else looks at to bring them home. Yeah, and also talking about Kane, obviously... He's been amazing for Tottenham and being the striker that they need. But on the other team, Arsenal, Aubameyang, he hasn't been that striker that he was before last year, you know, scoring all the important goals, being the captain as well, which, mind mm. you, he has an important role. And it's like the second goal, obviously, he made that pass and then got intercepted and then Tottenham went on to score, like, how bad is Aubameyang right now? Like, how bad does this make him look? Bro, I'm like signing that contract was a curse, man. Like, like <laughs> since then he's got was it like one goal and it was like the penalty at Old Trafford or something like. No, <laughs> no, was it like no open play goals in the Premier League or whatever? Like, I mean, Kurt Zuma has more goals. Than, mad let me just well. say that. My God. You know it's it's crazy, but. Obviously, Arsenal's defence has been looking shaky and Arsenal have a lot of questions to answer and Mikel Arteta, he has quite a job. But let's move... Let's, enough about Arsenal, man. It's quite depressing and funny. But let's move on to Liverpool Wolves. Obviously, Liverpool won 4-0 with goals from Salah, an amazing Wijnaldum goal, Joe Matip, and an own goal from Semedo. I mean, where else to start but apart from Liverpool and Mohamed Salah? I mean... Rajon, this is yours, man. What a performance this was. I mean, we 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 defended, like, really well. I mean, that, that Matip-Fabino partnership, it's just, it's been, like, better than I think anyone expected, you know. And Aaron Nico Williams, you know, he got booked in at the second minute. He defended, like, so well on from there, you know. And um, Kelleher, yet again... I think they said something funny, like you know, in the in the week before he was playing for like the under twenty threes, um, they conceded like seven goals, and now he made his uh, wow. Champions League debut against Ajax, <laughs> clean sheet, Premier League debut against Wolves, clean sheet. I mean, everyone's just just stepping up, and I think it was it was a big boost to see um, Kater and Trent on the bench. Uh, Trent came on for like twenty five minutes, putting that. Yeah, I found it yeah, quite yeah, odd. But yeah, I he thought he would have maybe given him like five or ten. But I think probably because um, Williams was on a yellow and then Trent probably a bit of game time. But I mean, he put in a wonderful um, cross for the own goal. And I think... Um, this, yeah, what a, yeah, what a like, cross that was. After being out for like uh, like four weeks or something. And then Ox is on the way, I think, as well. So we're, we're slowly getting our players back and... 
we're still hanging on, you know, we're only second on about goal difference, so really impressive again. Yeah. Exactly, and one thing I forgot to say was it's good to see fans back in stadiums, you know. Obviously, there was in the Arsenal game for the North London derby, there was in the Tottenham Stadium, and there were some fans back at Liverpool, obviously, at the Coppen, and it and Chelsea as well. And Chelsea as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chelsea, um, you know, it's good to see, even though it's 2,000 fans, it's good to see some natural voices, you know. And yeah. and it looked like for the Liverpool team, it kind of gave them a little boost as well to see the fans at the end, especially in the second half. You know, like Rajan said, they're, they're hanging on. You know, I think after that result against Aston Villa, which wasn't ideal, you know, Liverpool have been unbeaten in the league since then. And, yeah. you know, they're second in the league. They're looking strong. They're, they're silently having a good season. And, you know, obviously Spurs, you know, are the team to talk about right now, and rightly so. But Liverpool are up there and, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they win the league again this year. Wow, bold claim. But obviously, Liverpool played amazing. That when I don't go was probably the emphasis on amazing for Liverpool and that Joe Matic goal as well, what a set piece. But obviously, mm. Wolves, on the other hand, they looked abysmal. Like, they did not play well at all. Triori had a tough game. And obviously, I think Zhao Jimenez being out, it kind of showed that really they, lacked, him. they lacked that attacking prowess that they need. And obviously, yeah. Conor Cody, like, there was, he, had, he had a questionable, very questionable game. You know, his defence wasn't amazing, but... There was that penalty claim, if yeah. I'm right or wrong, that Liverpool had. And obviously, he obviously didn't play well. And obviously, he died, he died yeah. right, am I saying? Yeah. But obviously, let's move on to the another big game over the weekend that happened. West Ham versus Manchester United, which had the, the first fans come into the league for this season. And West Ham led the game for quite a bit from Sochek. And then yeah. Manchester United, man, Paul Pogba, he scored an amazing goal. And then Mason Greenwood scored. And then to wrap it all up, Marcus Rashford. But the man that mastered all this for United, man. I don't talk about Bruno Fernandes, guys. He looks amazing. Yeah, Bruno Fernandes is a phenomenal player. And what you've seen is when he's out the team, they, you know, the, the, the quality drops. It's like Bruno is a guy that gets the team ticking. And, you know, speaking about the game, I mean, United started terribly. Couldn't string a pass together. It was incredible. And, you know, this seems to be a, a popular trend with or without Bruno, to be fair, where United start games poorly or they concede early. And we cannot continue this because the better teams will punish. You know, if you look at the chances West Ham had uh, in, in, a, in the first half alone, the game should have been over at half-time. You know, that being said, it was a good comeback. Like you said, Bruno Fernandes is that talisman, that, that crucial player for Manchester United. And shout-out to Marcus Rashford as well because he made a, a big change, you know, really stretching West Ham with his pace. Yeah, so, man. It was, a, it was a good comeback overall, but there are, right now, more negatives than positives for Manchester United. Yeah, and I think we'll get onto that in a bit, but I don't, but obviously, man, just Bruno Fernandes, man, I think he showed why Manchester United paid what they paid back in January, you know. And obviously, 
he just clicked. Man- when he's playing well, I think that also works for the rest of the team. Everyone's clicking as well with him. And Dean Henderson as well, you know, he played decent, you know, against West Ham. And he put in the shift. And obviously that, mm. as, that ball that he made and is very questionable if it was outside <laughs> or not. Like, you know, but he played well. But, you know, Paul Pogba, like, that game, he actually played decent. Like, I was, I'm, I'm going to go out there, put myself on a limb. He played decent, right? Would you agree? Yeah, he did. He did. He definitely did. He definitely did. Yeah. Rajan? Uh, for me, I mean, like like Cameron said, you know, it's been a trend. Like, I don't know why, but United just seem to just, they never start off the game well. And then, like, they have this spell of, like, 20, 25 minutes in the second half. And they just somehow pull it back, you know. <laughs> And I think that's why um, Solskjaer still has his job, you know. They just, they keep winning these games somehow and they keep doing it away from home. I mean, I think that record at Old Trafford has been poor. But, you know, he, and then like, yeah. you, you see like, he loses to, he loses games like against Crystal Palace and stuff. But then he can go away to PSG and win there. Like, I don't know like what's going on with <laughs> with this club. Yeah. And obviously, quickly just talking about West Ham before we move on, um, Dalen Moyes, he still has a losing record against Manchester United since he left them. And obviously, Ron, like, well, like Haller, he, he looked okay. And Antonio, they clearly missed Antonio. But I think West Ham still needs to do quite a bit before they can continue doing what they were doing before. But West Ham, they're, now, they're still in the top half of the table, so it's quite positive for them. But moving on to the games coming up this weekend, you know, we've got two games I want to talk about. The Manchester Derby and obviously Everton, Chelsea. Let me talk, let's talk about Manchester Derby. Manchester United obviously coming off last night, losing against um, RB Leipzig and getting knocked out of the Champions League. And then City, they're obviously coming off against that win against Fulham, I'm right in saying? Yeah, yeah. Fulham, right? 2-0. Mm-hmm. 2-0 victory and they're playing tonight in the Champions League. Obviously... Guys, tell me, like, what's your thoughts ahead of this game? Oh, man. I mean... Cameron, it's all you yours, man. <laughs> you mentioned uh, the RB Leipzig game, and I mean... Yeah, I'm very afraid for this Manchester derby. You know... Oh, wow. On one, ha- on one hand, you can say, well, when Ole's job is on the line, the team performs. So I wouldn't be surprised if Manchester United come out and they win this game. But... One thing that you see with United is you know they're going to set up defensively against the big teams. They're not going to come out. They're not going to play. They're not going to play a good game of football. They're just going to sit back and counter. And that's what Ole has been doing recently because, quite frankly, I think he's he's scared. You know, it's a cowardly way of playing football as a Manchester United manager. You know, playing that back five like he did against Leipzig last night. And, and our defence has been proven to be shaky time and time again. Even with five defenders, we, you know, we still find a way to mess up. And, you know, our centre-backs are not good enough. The partnership is our weakness. And like I said, once again, yesterday, that was, that was made to be seen again. You know, that, was, that part was highlighted even more, including the fact that there is no leadership. You know, who is leading that defensive line right now? A captain is there and should be, but right now that armband is just for show. You know, you look at Liverpool, um, you've got guys like Fabinho who's kind of 
probably the guy leading that back line and when Van Dijk is fit, he's leading that back line. You know, Chelsea, Thiago Silva leading that back line. I don't know who that leader is. Yeah, I, you know, I, that's something that, you know, I have to fix up. But Rajan, what do you I think? I mean, in previous years, you know, I, I kind of would be on the side of Man United because, you know, obviously I would want Man City to drop points. But, you know... Like and I think this is like a worrying like game for Man United because you know even the cam said you know like they somehow turn up um when Solskjaer's jobs on the line when uh you know last year they had good success in the derbies but I mean to go out of the Champions League um with that sort of performance you know having been in control after match day four it's a big confidence blow and then you're thrown straight into um a Manchester derby. And um, if I'm correct in saying, I think City have clinched the top spot in the Champions League. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think they have after they drew with Porto yeah, in so, the last I mean, game. I had, they're not going to have a uh, a tough game tonight, you know. I imagine Pep's going to, might rest a few players. So, you know, they're going to come into this game full of confidence. They would have seen the United result. And that, that, that United offence is so poor. I mean, I think like Luke Shaw got was he got pulled out of defence, like, twice, and it cost them, like, two goals. Yeah. The one, like, saving grace for United may be that they can possibly hit City on the counter because that City defence, I don't trust. You know, you know, you guys, well, obviously, defence has been a theme of this Manchester derby, right? And obviously, City have kept four clean sheets in the last four games. But still, I think their defence is shaky. It's not as shaky as Manchester United, but it's still shaky. Like, obviously, I still have my reservations about Diaz and Laporte's partnership. But I think City's attacking will make up for it. And obviously, I think this is a game where guys like Mares and Bernardo Silva and Jesus can, like, absolutely take advantage of Harry Maguire. Because I think mm-hmm. Maguire, he's just... He's not there. Like I think mentally, he's just not there in the game, and obviously he's not playing amazing. But it's like he's gonna get exposed. I think so badly. But also Manchester United, their attack as well. Like I think this game will be very attacking. Like you're gonna see a lot of guys in the game just moving up and down, and just counter attacking. You know. Yeah, and and this is also a big game for. Uh, obviously, I don't know. You know, team news isn't out yet, but. Uh, in our last Premier League game, Edison Cavani and Anthony Martial got injured and the manager said, well, they're just knocked. So if one or two of them return, it's going to be a big game for Martial, who's out of form. You know, is he going to come back into the team if he's available? And Cavani, he could really provide that, you know, traditional number nine movement that Manchester United have been missing. Yeah. Obviously, that game, you guys can watch that game on Saturday at 5.30. It'll be a big game for sure. A lot of important points to be caught by either side. But moving on to Everton versus Chelsea. This is, I'd say, as important for Chelsea. Because obviously, this is a game... Chelsea are coming off against Leeds, winning 3-1. And Giroud looked good. And I mean, he looked good. And I think this game is going to be about Giroud versus DLC. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, if you didn't mm. realise... Listeners, but what do you? What's the main thing for both teams in this game? Well, 
I'm looking at Everton and since their kind of hot start, they've dropped off a bit. I think Everton yeah, need nice to start. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. They need to start picking up the pace again because I think expectations are high for them this season. And you know, with the with the start, guys were kind of saying, "Well, hold on." Uh, they went from title, possible title, dark horses, to then getting into the top four and qualifying for the Champions League, and now they're in that position. Yes, it is early in the season, but they do need to pick up the pace so they don't have to play catch up later on and. For Chelsea, I mean, you know, they've been improving, you know, as the weeks go by. They've been looking very strong. Obviously, I think their new keeper, Mendy, was kind of the icing on top for this team. Because since then, they've kept, you know, a few games with clean sheets. And they've looked solid at the back with Thiago Silva, Kurt Zuma, who's also, you know, adding goals to his game. And is a real threat <laughs> from corners. I mean... Yeah, no, this Chelsea team is, is looking very good and it's going to be an interesting game because when you think about it, when Everton faced Chelsea at home, the record is pretty equal with 10 wins each and 8 draws with around 2.6 goals per game. So it should be an open one with lots of goals, hopefully. So you never know. I think um, this is like one of those tests for Chelsea because, you know, Everton away is a tough game. And, you know, I think... The, the Liverpool game was unfair to judge Chelsea because obviously, you know, you had the sending off. Kepa made a mistake. But I think um, these two games, the Leeds and Everton, this is that this is like a real test to see you know, how good this Chelsea team is. And I think so far, you know, they're passing it. You know, I, I personally think Chelsea are going are gonna to beat Everton because, you know, classic Everton falling off yet again. But, I mean, <laughs> if, if, I mean... <laughs> Coming exactly. from a Liverpool fan, of course you'd say that. I have to throw that in there, you know. But, um, <laughs> I, I mean, all Chelsea need to do, I think, is just keep an eye on uh, Calvert-Lewin. I mean, he's been in, in incredible form. But, I mean, look at Chelsea, the talent they have. I remember they showed that. They showed a graphic of, um, was it the team you played in the Champions League? Like, Lampard fully rotated it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, um, the that Russian squad team. depth, yes. like, they said it on Monday Night Football. It's it's probably the best in the Premier League that squad depth, and I and I agree. Like, that team is is so um that is so well built. I mean, I have to hate to admit it, but you know this is a this a could be a scary Chelsea team. You know. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it that Chelsea are so <laughs> good in depth. But obviously, I think Everton obviously. They've only got, from five games in the league, they've only picked up four points. So, one draw, one win, two losses. And another, and three losses, my bad. Um, but, you know, I think Everton, obviously, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is going to be that difference maker. Because, obviously, their defence is, is not as good as their attack. And, obviously, Richarlison is going to have to make that impact. But I think, for me, Giroud is going to have to start. And, obviously, having Ziyech injured in the last game which is unfortunate because he's been that big spark mm-hmm. for us and I think obviously Pulisic he's probably going to most likely start and I think he will make that impact for us hopefully and I think this will be an amazing game to watch and that game man oh it'll be so important for us it's it's another Saturday game Saturday night football eight o'clock obviously watch that guys if you want but now let's move on to predictions obviously Let's just start with the Manchester Derby because we obviously talked about it. Quickly, guys, what's your predictions? Um, 
heart saying 2 1 to United, but I feel like it's going to be 3 oh, three 1 Man City. Ugh, man, I, think, I right? think it's going to be 2 or 3 0 Man City. You know, man, I, I, I'm, I'm here to see goals, so I'm seeing a 3 2 Manchester City win. Oh, man. Yeah, all right, Nick. Obviously, Everton, Chelsea. Who do you guys got? Um, I got Chelsea. Yeah, two Chelsea two 0 Ooh, I uh, I got two one. I got two one Chelsea. I got two one Chelsea. But obviously, mm. Wol- next game, Wolves versus Villa. This is a quite a decent game. That's a that's a tight game, you know. I think three one Villa. Ooh. I think two one Villa. Yeah, I think obviously having Jimenez out still, I think Villa are gonna take advantage of that, and I think you guys are right. I think Villa are gonna win, but not three goals. I think two nil, two nil, and I, obviously Palace versus Spurs. That's another big game. Who do you guys got? Sheesh, um, you know obviously Palace coming off their big five one win. I think they could shock Spurs this game. I think a one one. I'm gonna. Ooh. I I think it's gonna Ooh. be. Ah, uh, two one Spurs. Okay, it's a London derby. I think, you know, even though they won five one, it was against a weaker opponent. Mm, two, two. I think Tottenham oh, yeah. are gonna go ramp rampant. They're gonna go gun blazing on Palace, man. I think it's gonna be a three 0 win. I know, right? Never know. Never know, <laughs> Never right? Know. But okay, this is a quick fire predictions now. All right, Leeds versus West Ham. Um, West Ham 1-0 uh, 1-1 Ooh, Okay, Newcastle uh, For me, I got Leeds winning 2-0 Okay, Newcastle-West Brom I got Newcastle losing 2-0 Newcastle win 4-0 4-0 oh. <laughs> Wow I 2-0 Newcastle Ooh Rajon, man, who do you got for Southampton versus Sheffield Ooh, United? I'm going to go 2 0 Southampton. Um, Sheffield United getting their first <laughs> win of the season. I think 2 1. 2 1. You know what? Because I feel sorry for Sheffield United, they're getting their first win of the season as well. 2 0. Hey. <laughs> hey. And obviously, Rajon, who do you got for Fulham versus Liverpool? Uh, hopefully, a 2 or 3 0 Liverpool win. Hopefully. I think um, Liverpool 4-1. Ooh, I think this is going to be a higher scoring game. I'm saying, I'm going big here. 5-2 Ooh, Liverpool. I like Ooh. those predictions, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, Cameron, who you got for Leicester, Leicester Brighton? Um, I think 2-2 two, two draw. 2-1 okay. uh, Leicester. I'm going to say it's a very tight game. I'm going Leicester 1-0. And obviously, mm. last, but definitely not least, Arsenal versus Burnley. Who do you oh, guys go? Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I could milk this one, but I'm just going to say it straight up. Burnley oh. win 1-0. Oh. Bro, that's Arsenal in the relegation <laughs> battle, fam. Yeah. Oh, man. This is a relegation <laughs> battle, this game, isn't it? Kind of is, yeah. Exactly. Oh, man. I'm going to go 1-1. 1-1. One, one. You know, as much as I want Arsenal to lose, I think it will be a boring game. I think it's going to be a 0-0. You know, 
You know, that's Arsenal, you know. They like boring games. And obviously, yeah. to end it off, NBA predictions, guys. Obviously, opening night predictions. So, Nets, Golden State. Who'd you got? I have uh, the Golden State winning. Golden State winning. I'm right, going with Rajan? Golden State as well. All right. You know... I'm going to go Brooklyn Nets and I'm seeing like a tight game. I'm seeing like a 101 to 97 win for the Nets. Okay, guys, next game is obviously the Lakers and Clippers. Who do you guys got? I have the Clippers winning. (laughs) See, I have the Lakers winning. That's an interesting one. Mm, Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? All right. I'm I'm saying... Ooh, I'm going to go Lakers as well. I think it's going to be... High scoring game. I'm going 121 to 117 for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. AD is going to be filling up the stat sheet. But obviously, that brings us to the end of episode nine of the Out of Bounds podcast. Obviously, to the listeners, thank you for listening. I'm your, I've been your host, Sacramia. It's goodbye from me, Cameron. Thank you for listening again. Episode nine, obviously, we'll back in. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Enjoy this episode. Share to your friends and everything. And just thanks again. And Rajon. Ah, oh, thanks for listening, guys. Take care. And obviously, do not forget to follow follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram. And that's it from us. Goodbye. <laughs>